You're listening to the Paleo NP podcast, episode number 36. Head on over to the shop page, that's marthaflorence.com slash shop, or you can find the link in the show notes where you'll be able to find products and services that I've tested and love. And when you shop through me, you're not only directly supporting this show so that I can continue to provide great content for free, but you can also know that I've done the work for you to find the best options out there for anyone who's looking to improve their health from the inside out and the outside in. So head on over to marthaflorence.com shop and get started optimizing your health and performance now. Welcome to the Paleo NP Podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, it has been a minute since I recorded an episode. I just kept finding more good info to add to this episode, and I've also been pits deep in rebranding my website and will soon be rebranding this podcast. I think I mentioned that a couple of episodes ago, so hopefully the next time you hear an episode, it will have a shiny new intro. Also, just a reminder that if you love the podcast and want to help me be able to continue to keep putting out this information for free, you can visit marthaflorence.com slash shop to check out brands that I love and find some discounts too. Anything I recommend there is something that I use and love and feel really comfortable recommending to others. So on to the good stuff. The last few weeks in my clinic, I have seen several patients who have had high blood pressure. So I wanted to talk about that on today's podcast. I also came across a really interesting study as well as a few other bits that might be interesting related to blood pressure. Um, But before we dive in, I just want to reiterate that none of this is meant to be a substitute for medical advice provided by your healthcare provider. Each situation is different and you need to discuss what's best for you and your situation with a medical professional who knows you and can help you make the best decision for you. It is always my hope that anything you hear on the podcast that might be useful to you is something that you can take to your healthcare practitioner and start a conversation with them about it if that particular option might work. I always like it when my patients come to me well-informed about their options and what might work for them, but it's also important to keep an open mind because not all of these things will work for everyone. So let's talk about blood pressure. High blood pressure, also known as hypertension, and I use the two words interchangeably, um, is one of the most common clinical diagnoses in a family practice setting, and about 30% of Americans have hypertension. A lot of people who have hypertension go undiagnosed because a majority of people don't have any symptoms. It's often called the silent killer because untreated, it has some really serious consequences, but most people also feel no symptoms. This also gets tricky because I was taught that you should never diagnose hypertension based on a blood pressure reading in a healthcare provider's office. Since those are often falsely elevated, a lot of people have, whether they know it or not, something called white coat syndrome. So their blood pressure is automatically elevated when they're in a doctor's office just from being nervous or being watched. 
So that means that every person who comes into the clinic who has a blood pressure over 130 over 80 gets to buy a blood pressure cuff, which fortunately they're pretty cheap, and check their blood pressure at home. They get to keep a log and bring it to me the next time they see me to prove whether they do or don't have high blood pressure. I would also guess that this will remain one of the most common diagnoses in a family medicine setting because the standards for what constitutes hypertension or high blood pressure were just lowered. So it used to be that if you had a blood pressure over 140 or over 90, you had hypertension. But now that's been lowered to 130 over 80. And this actually makes a lot of sense because according to my pharmacology textbook, starting at a blood pressure of 115 over 75, cardiovascular disease risk doubles with each increment of 20 over 10. So blood pressure is measured in millimeters of mercury. So each increment of 20 over 10 millimeters of mercury that your blood pressure increases over 115 over 75, your cardiovascular risk, disease risk doubles. So from a wellness perspective, keeping your blood pressure as close to 115 over 75 as possible will help reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease. Data from the Framingham study, which is a really well-known heart disease study, showed that blood pressure that is consistently over 140 over 90 causes something called left ventricular hypertrophy. And that means that your left ventricle, which is what pumps the oxygenated blood out of your heart and into your body, gets big, kind of like building a large bicep muscle, um, from having to overcome the increased pressure of your vascular system. This study also showed that a decrease of just five millimeters of mercury of the top number, which is called your systolic blood pressure, correlates with a 7% reduction in cardiovascular mortality. One of the biggest health risks of having high blood pressure is the risk for developing cardiovascular disease. Consistently increased blood pressure accelerates the development of heart disease and damage to your organs. It promotes damage to the lining of your vessels, which accelerates the development of atherosclerosis, which leads to heart attacks and other peripheral vascular diseases. I'm not going to review all of the effects of high blood pressure on your body, but it does affect almost every single organ in your body. Most notably are your brain, your eyes, your heart, and your kidneys. In the world of conventional medicine, over 90% of cases of high blood pressure are considered what's called idiopathic or not having any known cause. From a holistic perspective, high blood pressure is always a sign of an underlying disease or dysfunction, which seems really obvious to me when you consider that all of the drugs that are used to treat high blood pressure do so by interfering with normal mechanisms of blood pressure control. So why do 30% of Americans have an unknown cause of faulty regulation of blood pressure? Treatment should always involve finding the root cause rather than suppressing the symptoms. This identification of high blood pressure as always being an underlying symptom of something makes even more sense when you consider that high blood pressure is something that's identified as a disease of Western civilization, as in it is not present or it's present at very low rates in hunter-gatherer societies. If you're interested in learning more about that, I recommend you check out the book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Weston A. Price, which I will link to in the show notes. I'm also not going to get too in-depth about what causes hypertension, but the short list is drug use, prescription or otherwise, Cushing's disease, oral contraceptive use, estrogen dominance, alcohol use, hypercalcemia, insulin resistance, overconsumption of licorice, pheochromocytoma, sleep apnea, 
thyroid disease, tobacco use, and vitamin D deficiency. So what do we do about high blood pressure? Well, some providers just prescribe medications and send you on your way. But all of the patients that I have seen recently with high blood pressure have actually prompted me to look for some alternatives because most of them don't really want to be on medication, which I'm generally fine with, but I also don't really want any of them to have a stroke. Currently, if and when I do prescribe a patient any sort of medication, but blood pressure medication in particular, the goal is always to eventually get them off of it uh, so that it's not a permanent situation. However, there is also no reason to feel shame or like you failed in some way if you can't get off of your medication or if you have no desire to get off of it, especially since there are a lot of factors at play here. Diet and lifestyle modifications are critical for blood pressure management, but I got to wondering just how effective are they? Because I want to know that when I prescribe something like a diet change or exercise instead of medication, that that recommendation is is based on actual science and not just hearsay. First, I'm going to talk about lifestyle stuff, and then I have a couple of supplement options that are worth mentioning as well. And again, please talk with your healthcare provider before you decide to change the way that your high blood pressure is being managed. I found two studies that gave me some great information on managing blood pressure with physical activity. I'll be sure to put links to both of them in the show notes in case you're interested in actually reading them. The first study was a review of literature and looked at the prevention of high blood pressure with physical activity. So it didn't look at people who already had high blood pressure. It looked at preventing it from developing. And what it found was that improvements in fitness were associated with a lower risk of hypertension, and those who maintained their fitness had about a 25% lower chance of developing hypertension when compared to those who lost their fitness. The risk for developing hypertension also decreased with increasing volume of physical activity, but was similar, at least in women, who engaged in moderate to those who engaged in moderate and vigorous physical activity. Also, running and walking both have similar outcomes when it comes to reducing your risk of developing high blood pressure, because remember, at the moment, we're talking about decreasing your risk of developing it if you have normal blood pressure, So, or if you're what is called prehypertensive, so you're kind of borderline. Um, you don't officially have high blood pressure, but you're close. In general, the rate of progression from prehypertension, so that state right before hypertension, to hypertension over a two to four year period is 30 to 40%. Research shows that those who engage in regular physical exercise have a slower rate of progression than those who do not exercise. This was self-reported exercise uh, for this particular statistic. Those with low levels of physical activity have a 40% higher risk of going from prehypertension to hypertension. In people who have one or more parent with hypertension, those who are moderately to highly fit, and there's no definition of what exactly that means, have a 21 to 34% lower risk of developing hypertension compared to those who have a low level of fitness. Not surprisingly, sedentary behavior is also associated with a greater risk for developing hypertension. One important thing to note, and I've talked about this concept before on the show, is that even though those who are physically fit have a lower risk of developing high blood pressure, some of these people will still develop high blood pressure no matter what. The reverse is also true. So there are some people who are sedentary who will not develop high blood pressure. So that's just important to keep in mind. Something that we'll come back to later is the effects of exercise on reducing high blood pressure. But this literature review noted that the effects of exercise on blood pressure reduction is more pronounced in those with high blood pressure than those who have normal blood pressure. So exercise can reduce your blood pressure even if you don't have high blood pressure. 
One other interesting thing that this paper reported was in the case of high-intensity interval training, so what's called HIIT training, it's H-I-I-T, there was no difference between blood pressure reduction, um, as in those people who did high-intensity interval training and those people who did not but did continuous moderate exercise actually had similar blood pressure reductions. But the important distinction here is that HIIT training takes less time. So you get the same reduction in blood pressure as with other exercise, but in less time. There's also no good evidence that shows that persistent physical activity, so not just exercising once and then sitting for the rest of the day, but sort of making sure that you're engaging in exercise a little bit at a time throughout the whole day, provides any greater benefit than just a structured exercise program. So as long as you're exercising, you're okay. Another paper that I found looked at the reduction or management of high blood pressure with physical activity versus medication. So this is looking at people who actually have elevated blood pressure. They found that there were no detectable differences in the blood pressure lowering effects of all classes of antihypertensive medications compared to endurance or dynamic resistance exercise. They did note that those who received antihypertensive medications do have greater reductions in blood pressure compared to those who just use exercise. Exercise doesn't just reduce blood pressure. It was also found that structured exercise was equally as effective as several medications in terms of reducing mortality, so your risk of death, and in the prevention of heart disease, in rehab after stroke, treatment of heart failure, and prevention of diabetes. When compared with a control, all types of exercise and all types of blood pressure medication were effective in lowering baseline blood pressure. Different types of structured exercise routine had similar reductions with the exception of a combination of endurance and resistance training, which was more effective in decreasing blood pressure than just resistance training alone. Now, as far as I can tell from this paper, this was all in people who had normal blood pressure. So again, people who don't have uh, hypertension. And that's just the comparison of all types of blood, all types of exercise and all types of blood pressure medication. In people who do have hypertension, there was no difference observed between blood pressure lowering medications or exercise. So they were both equally effective in lowering blood pressure in those people who had high blood pressure. The other interesting thing here is that the higher the blood pressure, the more effective exercise was at lowering it. One of the limitations that was described in this paper was that there is still very little known about the optimal, optimal amount of exercise to prescribe. But in the first paper I referenced, they did find that those who improved and then maintained their fitness level had almost a 30% reduction in or 30% lower risk of hypertension. Granted that this is in the context of preventing high blood pressure, but my assumption would be that this carries over to treating it as well. So if exercise lowers your blood pressure, then maintaining a certain level of fitness should continue to control or eliminate the need for control of your blood pressure. What's the takeaway here? Exercise is important to your health in general, but it is especially important if you have high blood pressure or are at high risk for high blood pressure. If you've been diagnosed with hypertension and are not on medication or don't want to start medication, now is the time to start a regular exercise program to decrease your blood pressure and lower your risk of death. Please, do not just stop taking your blood pressure medication and start exercising and think that you'll be fine. If you are on medication for your blood pressure and you want to start exercising and get off of it, please have a conversation with your healthcare provider and make a plan to wean you off of it. Also, remember that this approach absolutely won't work for everybody. 
As I mentioned already, these studies rely on averages. So in any given population, most people will be able to reduce and control their blood pressure with exercise instead of medication. But there are people that this does not work for. So definitely keep that in mind too. Just because it works for most people does not mean that it works for all people. And if you are not one of those people that it works for, that's not a failure on your part. Genetics and many lifestyle factors play a role here. Some other things that are typically recommended as part of a holistic approach to treating high blood pressure are to stop smoking or using any other forms of tobacco, exercise, which we just covered, weight optimization, limiting alcohol to no more than two drinks per week, as well as diet optimization, which to me means a diet based on whole nutrient-dense foods. And as far as diet goes, there are actually several studies, which I will link to, um, that showed that a paleo-type diet is effective at lowering blood pressure. Also, make sure that you identify and avoid any foods that you have sensitivities to. This can normalize blood pressure, especially in patients who also suffer from migraines. If this is a process that you want help with, be sure to check out my Find Your Perfect Diet course, which I will link to in the show notes, because I walk you through the exact process I use with my patients for identifying and avoiding these problematic foods, because this is unique for everyone. So just giving a common list of foods to avoid doesn't work for everybody. So you walk out of this process with a diet that is perfect for you. Some other things to consider are vitamin D status. Deficiency of vitamin D is associated with high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and depression. So checking your vitamin D status and making sure that you are supplementing if needed is important. I am pretty sure that I currently only have one patient who has norm a normal vitamin D level. Everyone else seems to be hovering around 20, which uh, based on our lab range is actually pretty low. Supplementing with potassium has also been shown to help decrease blood pressure. However, it's actually more beneficial to get an adequate intake of potassium from fruits and vegetables than to take a supplement. Potassium becomes increasingly important if you're on a diuretic medication for hypertension. Most common diuretics prescribed for high blood pressure actually cause you to excrete potassium. On the flip side of that, some other medications that are prescribed for high blood pressure can raise your potassium levels. So if you're already on blood pressure medication, be sure to talk to your doctor and have your labs checked before increasing your potassium intake. Potassium consumed with phytonutrients, so whole food forms of potassium, actually has shown greater cardioprotective benefit than just supplementing with potassium alone. There is also a pretty fine balance between potassium and sodium. So simultaneously decreasing your sodium intake, which is most important if you're consuming a lot of packaged or processed foods, can also be beneficial. Some foods that are high in potassium are bananas, oranges, cantaloupe, potatoes and sweet potatoes, Swiss chard, avocados, yogurt, clams, and salmon. Magnesium has also been shown to help regulate and decrease blood pressure. Given that most people don't have adequate magnesium intake, supplementation is likely a good idea for almost everyone. But remember, don't start or stop supplements without talking to your doctor first. There are many studies showing the efficacy of adequate magnesium intake on blood pressure control. Vitamin C supplementation was shown to reduce blood pressure as well as something called CRP, so C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory marker, and LDL, which is your bad cholesterol in uh, the elderly population. The study that I found Vitamin C did not affect the blood pressure of a of non-elderly, so that seems to be only work well in older populations. And probably the best news that I've ever heard is that dark chocolate without added sugar might affect your blood pressure in a good way. 
people who regularly consume higher levels of chocolate, again, that's dark chocolate, have lower relative risk of cardiovascular mortality and blood pressure. And I will link to some of those studies in the show notes for anyone who's interested, because the even better news is that there was more than one. So as I've said before, I treat individuals, not averages. So when I'm working on a plan for a patient who has high blood pressure, but doesn't want to be on medication, there's so much more that goes into it than them exercising, taking supplements, and me not prescribing medication. Sometimes if their blood pressure is really high, we start with a medication to prevent complications and damage to their body with the goal of getting them off of it. So if you're in this situation, I really encourage you to find and work with a provider that understands the bigger picture and is willing to work with you on a multifaceted approach. And again, I want to make sure that you talk with your healthcare provider if you have high blood pressure before you implement any of these things, because there are some contraindications and other considerations to take into account beyond what I've talked about here. But I do think that I'm going to prescribe all of my patients exercise and chocolate to manage their blood pressure because that seems like the best option, don't you think? Thanks so much for listening this week. If you love the show, I would love it if you would leave a rating or review in iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Or I would also love it if you would share this episode with somebody who might find it helpful. The full show notes will be available at marthaflorence.com slash 36. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.